0: Life Her Podcast. Hey, girl. Thank you for tuning in to Life Her Podcast. We are here to inspire you, lift you up, and let you know we see you in all of your love, strength, power, and courage. So, sis, let's take a journey together because our experiences are not our own and cycles, they need to be broken. Hey, ladies. I am your host, Yvette Lloyd. I would like to welcome. Lisa McCraney, CEO of Healing Hearts Counseling and Consultation Services. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing? I am good. That is real good. So we're going to get down to business mm-hmm. real early mm-hmm. <laughs> in the conversation. So I would like to know, who is the little girl, Lisa McCraney?
1: That is such a loaded question. Yeah. Um, where do I start? Like the little, little girl or all stages?
0: You can start with the little girl where you feel comfortable with first.
1: Okay. So um, the little, little girl, Lisa, um, was um, just a fun little girl. I remember um, playing outside. I remember my brother and sister and I, we planted a watermelon patch outside and like really believed we were growing watermelons. Um, I used to collect bugs and play in dirt and climb trees and all of that stuff that if you knew me now, you would never believe, um, that I did that because I'm scared I know of I bugs don't. and <laughs> all of that stuff now, but yeah, I would collect worms and, um, all kinds of stuff and, and I had a favorite spot in the tree outside our house that I would just climb up in and sit
0: in. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was a fan of tree houses. Really? Yes. I've always wanted one. So I said if I ever had kids, I'm going to build them I'm a building. tree house. Mm-hmm. Have ever yes. that
1: tree house show? No. There's a whole show where the people go and build tree houses for families. It's amazing.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go ahead and watch mm-hmm. that. Because I already watch other people like how they just be built in mm-hmm. the little houses. Mm-hmm. I'm like, shoot. Yeah, I'm treehouse a treehouse. Is, it's nice. <laughs> okay. <Isn't> it? <laughs> so I would like to know if you could look inside your mind, would you be able to reveal the struggles of your past?
1: Um, absolutely. I don't think that they ever really left my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, they. It's something that I carry with me regularly because it's part of what fuels me. Day um, to keep pushing and to actually do what I do as a counselor, as a therapist. Um, I've always believed that. Um, I've always believed that God allowed me to go through so much in my life because it would pave the way for me to be able to be real and bear witness with the ladies um, and sometimes gentlemen that come and sit on my couch with me for counseling. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot. Um, my struggles, they, they are, I, I do remember that they start back from the little girl. I was talking to my sister one time, and I remember telling her within this last year that I remember the time um, when we were happy. I, I, my mind goes back sometimes to the, the switch when life changed for us, where that little girl who sat in the tree, mm-hmm. um, That was taken from her. Oh, wow. Um, And our life changed dramatically very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, That little girl who was happy and and, uh, fun-loving and all of that turned into a very um, shy and, um, in a sense, beaten down. I was not beaten up or anything like that, but life just changed so dramatically. So I grew up um, in a home where my... My dad was um, both a drug user um, and he was also um, violent with my mom, so he would beat her as well. Um, And so, and then he was in and out of the house and in and out of jail. Some of that I didn't know back then, I know Mm -hmm. now, so there are bits and pieces that I remember from back then, so I didn't know all of the story then. Uh, But there are certain there was an incident, I do remember, where he hurt her in front of us. Um, There was an incident, I remember, where we found his, you know, um, needles looking for something. I don't know what we were doing. Me and my my brother and sister and I did some of everything. Um, But I know one day we were looking... um, or something that's so remember when Nestle Quick used to come in the can and you would pop. Oh, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I just love and that. So,
1: we you know, we were called what we were what used to be called latchkey kids. Where my mom would work, um, and we would come home and by ourselves let ourselves in, and that's what they would call latchkey that you would let yourself back in the house and be kind of home alone before your parent came in if your parents were working. And so, we were always allowed to come, we would come home, call my mom, let her know we were home, we could have a snack. And then we had to get our homework started. And so one particular day, I remember we wanted um, hot chocolate. And we had some of that Nestle Quick in that can. And we um, popped the lid. And our Nestle Quick was not in there. But my dad's um, needles were. Wow! And so then we got nosy. And we were like, what are these? And what's, you know.
0: Asking a question. What's
1: going on? Right. Um, And so then we started searching the house for more stuff. like Standing on counters and looking on top of stuff and all kind of stuff to see what else was in there. Um, And so that, those are things that I remember, Um, you know, uh, we had to um, leave abruptly from from that home um, because my dad was... Doing what he was doing and hurting my mom and in and out of jail and things like that, um, and so we ended up having to um, leave that home because he was he he was threatening her pretty violently. Um, mm-hmm. This this last that whatever that last time was, he was um, I think he had gotten incarcerated again and he wanted her to come get him and she wouldn't and um so he began to threaten her not just her but us too wow. and so I think that she always says there was something in that um that last conversation that she believed him and so I just remember we lived on Nome Avenue mm-hmm. and then one day we didn't wow. um, and we moved in um With a lady And a family That she met at church And um Then life changed
0: For us um, Did it change for good mm-hmm. As for In a good path Or mm-hmm. You start Started to struggle Even more With you guys moving
1: Absolutely I think we went from I, I don't think I know for sure We went I went from bad to hell Um it just was not good for um, me. And it wasn't um, good for my sister. Um, it just wasn't good. Life just wasn't fun anymore. Um, and I was no longer happy. I, was, I no longer talked. It's, I tried to be as quiet as possible. I tried to not be seen. Um, I tried to be as good as I could possibly be. Um, because just life was not fun. Um, part of, part of what happened there was, um, and I think this might be the first time that I ever share this publicly, um, on such a huge platform. Um, but I I made my mind up this year that I was going to say what God told me to say. So step um, into healing. And to, to really fully (laughs) step into my healing. Um, but this, When we moved in with that family, um, the oldest son uh, began to um, hurt my sister and I. Now, at that time, I didn't know it was her. I thought it was just me. Um, as we become adults and things like that, we know that it was both of us. Um, but at that time, I thought it was just me. Um, probably my ninth grade year might have been when he started with me um in terms of molestation and um touching and, you know, forced intercourse and all kind of things like that. Um, and for me it didn't start that way. It didn't start harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think he preyed on my innocence and my shyness. Um, mm-hmm. and so he initially started off um as saying he was my boyfriend and that wow. we would be secret boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, And, you know, at that time, by that time I was ninth grade, um, and seventh and eighth grade weren't fun, I wasn't popular, I was never called pretty, I was never, you know, I didn't, and nobody ever looked at me like they wanted to be my boyfriend, and so to have somebody that I thought was extremely handsome Mm -hmm. um, at that time, act like he wanted to be bothered with me, even though... Our families were living together as a family. The Mm -hmm. fact that somebody was paying me some attention, I was like, oh, okay. Um, And then he, you know, presented it like, you know, it's just going to be our secret. We're not going to tell nobody. Um, And
0: And how old was he?
1: He was, if I was 14, he was 18. Wow. Um, And so it started that way. Um, And so it's not like he just trapped me one day and... um, you know, started hurting me. He initially he eased into right. what he was doing, and so it's like a, a
0: mind thing, mm-hmm. reverse psychology. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And so um, I just remember, um, you know, he would do things like kiss me and um, touch me and different things like that. And so in the beginning, I did not stop him um, because I thought, I don't know, I just I just know I didn't stop him in the beginning. Um, and I was writing uh, I used to be a journaler a huge journaler so I would write in journals all the time um, at that time and my sister was having a real rough goal of life Mm -hmm. like real rough goal now in hindsight um, I know the truth and so the truth was he had already started with her um, and he was already doing things to her um, and that was her rebellion um, at that time but for so because she was having such a rough go at life my mom she was getting in trouble a lot at school and it was just a lot going on and my mom um was looking i remember my uh she was looking i think just for answers on what was going on with my sister so while we were at school one day she searched our room um just trying to find out what all was going on with her and so she found my journal while looking for stuff to give her answers about my sister. And in my journal was different things like, Oh, he kissed me today, he said this, he said that, or he did this. And so I remember one day she asked me about it. And um like, hey, I found this journal, you know, and this stuff is written in it. Is that true? And so initially I was like mm mm, I was just making up a story. Um, and so, and if you knew me back then, you would have believed that because I was an avid reader. I'm still an avid reader. Um, I would go to the library every two weeks. She would let mm-hmm. me walk down to the library every two weeks. I'd get a bunch of books, come back up. So I read a lot. I wrote a lot. And so for me to say, oh, no, I was just making up the story, it was easy to believe, you know. Right. Um, and so she kind of just looked at me and she was like, okay. Um, and that was the end of that. She didn't ask any more questions. Um, the next day, um, I remember, um, like, I cannot not, like, I can't tell that lie to mommy. And I was, I was real good about never wanting to really lie to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I never wanted to be in trouble as well. So that lie was eating at me. So I remember coming home one day. For whatever reason, she was home um, and not at work. I'm not really sure what was going on. But I know that particular day the next day she was home at lunchtime and I'm right across the street from school, from Bukdo. Oh, wow. um, and so I went home at lunch and I was like, so I wasn't lying. The stuff in that book really did happen and it's been happening for however long it had been happening. And she was like, oh, so we're going have to have to talk about this you know, later on. Um, and then it was going to be my, me and her and then him and his mom. Because again, okay. we all live in the same house, mm-hmm. um, and so later on came and there was this meeting, and um, then the of, I think the other kids were sent upstairs or something. But in the meeting, you know, they read the journal and you know asked some questions. Um, and now in the meeting, is it my mom wasn't really the lead of the meeting. His mom, his was. mom, um, and so. You know, she was like the boss or in charge or something. I don't really know. I just remember that she took the lead in the conversation and asked if it happened, and I said yes. And he was like, "She lying. Nobody want to touch that ugly girl. Why would I want to touch her? Nobody like her. She's ugly. So it's just different things like that. Wow. And just all of a sudden, I was. Oh my god. And so
0: it probably gave you a breakdown also because yeah. it's like, you know, sometimes when we trying to defend ourselves and speak out loud it creates us to shut down mm-hmm. and all we can mm-hmm. do is cry yeah. and then if you start crying they be like oh look she's crazy mm-hmm. she's yeah. delusional it was
1: it was it, I don't I just remember that he was adamant that I was lying um and I'll, I'll never forget the end of the meeting um his mom was like you need to find something else to make up
0: Make up for what?
1: No, she she just believed that I was making up stories. Wow. That it, that it was just a story I wrote and I needed to find something else to make up.
0: Um, so and, she's and, just a mother being in denial also?
1: Probably. I don't know. Um, I just know that at the end of that meeting, okay. I wasn't believed um, that it really was happening. Um, I don't really remember my mom speaking up a, a much at that meeting at all. She may have. I just don't remember it. Uh, but I do remember... Um, that his mom was more of the dominant voice and they basically told me to quit making up stuff. Um, and so things changed after that. Um, and not for for the better because then it became he would just do what he wanted to me whenever he wanted.
0: So he continued oh, even absolutely. after that?
1: That's when it got bad. That's when it got bad. And so he would
0: and you, and you guys were all still living in the same mm-hmm. household. Your mom didn't move mm-hmm. or nothing. Move, nothing. Wow.
1: Um, and so then that's when it got bad. And that's when it would be, you know, catch me in the basement um, and do stuff in the basement or catch me in the bathroom or come out, be, I'll be in the shower and he'd just be in there, you know, in the bathroom with me. And for a long time, I thought everybody in the house was in on it because I'm like, how the heck? Is nobody here to stop him or to catch him? Like, to... were
0: you screaming or? Um,
1: no, no. Uh, I think that's the day my voice kind of sunk away.
0: Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm.
1: when somebody tells you stop lying, start making up stuff, you kind of quit Yeah. You quit telling, you quit fighting back or whatever. So I would just take whatever he was doing.
0: So was Um, he doing it even when it was others in the home? mm
1: Mm-hmm, but not when they were around. Okay. So I was real good about falling asleep on the floor um, in the living room, and I used to be so mad, like, that they would let me fall asleep on the floor and then leave me down there. And <laughs> he would, every time, every time I was left downstairs, you know, instead of being told to go up to go to bed, um, he would, I would wake up with him touching me and on me or whatever. It just became like oh, crazy. Bless you your know? heart. Um, and that was pretty much, not pretty much, that was all of high school. Um, that, that happened, uh, you know. Um, it just and I just became more and more shy and more and more quiet and depressed. And it was just, I was getting good grades, but um, like that's it. I was, I was really, it was blessed.
0: just as though you were just in your own I world. Was just in my
1: own head, um, I cried a lot, um, at school. I just, you know, and of course. It's not like school got any better, so I still wasn't considered pretty popular, none of that stuff. So I still had the same school stuff going on, plus the stuff going on at home. Um, This particular lady just did not like my sister and I. Um, And life was hard for us at home. We were in trouble for everything all the time. Wow. Um, The only two girls in the house, other than the two adult women, but the only two girls. And when I tell you, we couldn't walk. We couldn't, like, we were always... Rolling our eyes We were always stumping our feet No matter what we did Um, And we stayed in trouble
0: And it's crazy because Sometimes even at at school Just Mm -hmm. think it's kids today Mm -hmm. That are struggling at home Mm -hmm. And teachers may look at them A certain way Counselors, Mm -hmm. principals And you have no clue What that child go through at at home And you're acting this way And you're treating them this way Sometimes all it takes is a a trust and a good conversation. And
1: it takes somebody to ask a question, and that's something that never happened for me. Nobody really asked me, was I okay? So my game plan began to be, what do I need to do to get out of here? So I'm stuck right now, but what do I need to do to get out of here? And so um, I was... uh, I had gotten into the Upper Bound program, and we got to go to Upper Bound, you know, every in Saturday sum- in the summer. In the summer, six weeks in the summer. Okay. Um, and so I began to let that, that. Literally, I still say to this day, Upper Bound was my lifeline. Like wow. I lived to be able to go to Upper Bound um, because actually, that began to be a punishment. So if she don't if she don't act right, or if she rolled her eyes, if she didn't wash dishes right, or whatever that would be what would be taken away from me mm-hmm. um, because that was the one thing that I loved, loved. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I didn't care, you know, they could, if I got put on punishment, my room was fine with me, you know, because I had books and I would go to another world. Um, and so, like, sending me to my room didn't really work for me because I was okay being in there. So it would, you know, but Upward Bound was my life. And right. so, they, you know, if I got in trouble, that would be taken away from me. Um, but that began to be my goal, like, just... You gotta, you know, you gotta get out of here. And so that meant working hard in school as best as I could, so that I could graduate in college. Mm -hmm. And upper bound meant um, because you do upper bound all the way through high school, and then the year you graduate, you do the bridge program. Bridge program. program. And so bridge meant I could go to college. Yes. And so I lived and worked to go to college. Um, And in hindsight, I probably would have. Um, applied for scholarships and things like that, but my mind was not there. You was just trying level. to get out, and I was just trying to get out. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I'm talking to my daughter about a lot of different things today, as she's in high school, so that she can, you know, be ahead of the game as mm-hmm. opposed to behind the eight ball like I am still. I think I was seventy thousand back still wow. between two degrees, but um, that was my life trying to get out of high school um, because that would get me out of harm's way and get me out of that house where I was never right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just... I, just I
0: can't believe that. you just still stay that long mm-hmm. period of time in a home even though you revealed it.
1: Well, because once you reveal it and people don't believe you, and that's why, like, even fast forward all these years, that, you know, now, I have lost... Like, I cut people out of my life during the Bill Cosby and um, R. Kelly so- sagas that have been going on as I watch people dog folk out. Yeah. Why didn't she tell? By speaking happened, up? You know, why, if she had a, if that was really happening to her, then she would have told somebody a long time ago, not knowing that half the time, when we do tell, nobody believes us. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they do believe us, nobody does anything about it. You know, um, the truth did come out years later. Um A long and, and, and I was in college by the time the truth came out. Um, we had another big old family meeting, you know, about mm-hmm. it when the truth came out. And that's when I learned it was happening to my sister as well. Um, and he apologized to my mom for hurting her. But not my, to me. Not to you. No. He apologized to my mom for hurting her. And so the truth came out. And even with the truth coming out, like, nothing happened. We just all moved on with our lives. I'm like, ain't... It, not not that I'm wishing harm on anybody, but at that time I was like, "Ain't gonna be no blood and mayhem. Like nobody gonna beat him down. We not gonna mm-hmm. call the police. We're not gonna do nothing." And I I just didn't know what to do. And and realistically, everybody just went on with their life.
0: So um, how did you overcome that struggle? And like, do you still battle it now today?
1: So overcoming, I think, is a, will be a continual journey for me. Um, because there are so many things that trigger you, um, you know. Again, that I, it was rough season for me during that whole Bill Cosby R. Kelly thing. It just brought up so much hurt and so much frustration, both for my story and for the women who were being called, um, you know, gold diggers and all of that stuff. It, it's almost like I became those women in those situations, and it hurt deep to the core. Um, I did go to counseling. Um, back just in twenty seventeen, I just needed to go and um, I, and deal with my stuff um, because although I I look you know good and although I'm you know I am what you would call popular now people know my name now right. they know my business you know people follow me I think the last time I looked I had two thousand friends on Facebook which doesn't matter but there used to be Still. time that ne- never would have you know people know who I am they reach out to me. Um, you know, in terms of who I am for my advice and for my counsel. But back then, I was like, hmm. you know, people are able to to see me as something special now, but I had to do a lot of work even to be able to have this conversation with you today. Because mm-hmm. there was a time where I was like, well, don't nobody else care. Why do I keep talking about it? Mm-hmm. But, but keeping silent about it is, was actually choking me to death. Yeah. You know? And when
0: you're, when you're a when you speak out about it you're able to help others Absolutely. that are silent about it that never mm-hmm. ever spoke up about it right. in now, their part past of that
1: quietness was trying to protect my family you know um trying to protect uh both my mom's image and you know her image the other the other mom's image um and in a sense without even really knowing it protect his image um but while I'm protecting everybody else's image, I'm still dying. Right, there. and like, who's protecting and you? who's protecting me? And I yes. found that that was not happening for me. So, you know, um, I, me and my mom have a great relationship right now. You know, um, earlier this year or sometime last year, I had a conversation with her, and I said, you know, Mom, um, God has released me to tell my story. And some of those times it will talk, some of telling my story – will mean that there's parts where it makes it look like you're a bad mom, you know. Um, But I want you to know that I I love you and we're not in a bad place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I look back on it now, my mom was doing the best she could. Yeah. You know, we had just gotten out of bad.
0: Yeah. And then if you think about it, with your mom going through the The things she went through, who helped her? Yes. So, she yes. was going through that whole process alone herself. And one herself. person
1: opened their door to us. It just happened to be this
0: person. And who, and who was mm-hmm. healing her? Mm-hmm. Who was willing to listen to her right. when she said that your dad was doing these right. things or anything? if we anything. were to get
1: up and leave at that time, where would we go? Right. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of folk opening their door to, a, you know, a mom and three kids. Right. You know, and so, and then here I come saying something bad is happening where we didn't have no place else to go and mm-hmm. so now when I look back at it you know I don't fault my mom for trying to survive because that's what it was you know it yes. was trying to survive and probably trying to keep a roof over our head and one day she and I talk you know we do talk about it periodically and one day you know we will have the conversation of why did we stay right know. But
0: at least you've got, at least you doing the steps mm-hmm. and we're doing of the communication. Steps. Mm-hmm.
1: And she knows that I talk about it now. I don't hide it anymore. Um, it's not a big secret. You know, at least on my, first of all, I know that that's part of who I am. Um, mm-hmm. And it's part of the healing journey that I'm on both for myself and the people who come and see me. So i got to be able to talk about it. Right. Um, if I'm supposed to do the part that God told me to do, which was tell my story. Right. Right. Um, the Bible says, um, and the Bible talks, I think it's a Revelations chapter 12, where it talks about um, they overcome him by the shed blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That we overcome Satan and all his tricks and lies and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. by the word of our testimony. And if I keep silent and just pretend like everything is okay, it's a whole lot of other Lisa's out there Mm -hmm. um, and other vets and Kim, that's my sister name. It's a whole lot of us out there that will never know that it's okay. You know, and it's that we're not used goods, we're not thrown away because somebody hurt us. Um, you know, um, of course, I had to tell my story to my husband. And we had to make, you know, we, we still had to, you know, climb some uphill battles as a result of me being, you know, a sexual abuse survivor. Um, yes. And, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, um, he couldn't wake me up in the middle of the night. Um, not Not without me being afraid. Right. Because I didn't know it was him. Right. When I'm sleep sleep you know and then somebody's hands are on you it took me all the way back there again and so we had to put some things into place so that I would know it was him well, okay and not not that we aren't intimate you right know, at that time but we had to do some specific work together so that we wouldn't have to own you know be limited always to deal daytime. with that yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're so much better now that's eight, good eight years later that's not a problem but in the beginning it was in the beginning it was tough you know for me um, he's, he's so protective of me so sometimes if something's on TV mm-hmm. and it gets the look you like you're well, you okay. like, you good do we need to change channel and he's so supportive of, of, of me in this journey that I'm on of healing um, and even you know opening my agency and, and, and doing that work mm-hmm. you know with people and he tells me how, how proud he is of me um, and so the bad part doesn't It's still there, and it's still in my memory, Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't have to stay forever. No,
0: it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And that's
1: what, you know, my sister and I talk regularly, and that's healing. You know, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another so that you can be healed. healed. Right? So my sister and I talk, and we, you know, have our moments where we're fussing and then and then loving on each other well, Uh um, as well. You know, people, she's an underdog, right? People, she... (laughs) My way of dealing with all of that was to retreat and or be a good girl. Her way of dealing with all of that was I'm about to beat the world down Aww. <laughs> just she took
0: her to anger do. out. A lot of people Absolutely. deal with it differently Absolutely.
1: too. Absolutely And so you know knowing we lived a very similar life but we took it, you know our reaction to it was very diff- different um, I'm like her number one advocate because when everybody thinks she just made and got a bad attitude, I'm like, you don't know her no, story. no no,, you don't, you don't know. What, what what she's had to fight through and fight for um and so um that's how you kind of turn it around and make it better better you know is to to really give not to not let it win anymore uh-huh you know what i mean abuse and you know even growing up in domestic violence and all of that stuff to not let it win
0: yes you know? and overpower you yes
1: yeah even the memories they can't win um, you know, uh, as, as a result of that, of course, you know, I've had some major life struggles when I got to college. So I did get my way out, um, and made my way to college, but that didn't make things any better for me. Um, yeah. because, you know, did you some, have
0: counseling in? Mm-mm. So you just waited just all the way went to all you all go. The
1: way to con- and so, and, and one of the things that happened for me in, co- in college was, you know, there's so much residual effect to abuse. Mm-hmm. Right When you take somebody's voice away, when they get out of a, an abusive situation, they don't automatically pick their voice back up. And so you continue to live life as if you're still being abused even though you're free. And so I went to college, and I made up my mind once I got there that I didn't ever want to be held down against my will again. And, mm-hmm. I, and one lesson that I learned was that no didn't work because clearly it didn't work from 14 to 18. I wasn't able to say no. And so I made my mind up when I got to college that I just wouldn't say no again. I would just, I would offer myself before somebody would hold me down. Right. Right. So I went from being abused to abusing myself because then I entered into a world of promiscuity. Right. You know, um, and then and, and trying to, not wanting to be there, not wanting to do that, but I also didn't think that no was an answer. And so I'm like... Uh,
0: just like it's teeter it. literally, like, yes,
1: Lord. This is not what I want to do, but I don't know how to not do this. And if I say no, then He's gonna hold me down anyway. And so, I spent some years struggling, going back and forth, like, Who am I and what am I doing? A lot of the, those weren't relationships that it, literally, folks was just ugh,
0: just there,
1: just there, you know, and definitely not fulfilling a need that I had. You know, mm-hmm. i the I'm just not even participating, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I have memories in my head of people saying, you're not going to do nothing, you're just going to lay. Right. Right, and because my thing was I, I just became something to be used, and I didn't know that I had power at that time oh, yeah. to be something else and to be somebody else, and it took a while. It took a lot of hurt, it took a lot of heartbreak, it took a lot of prayers, Lord, please don't... <laughs> Please don't let me be pregnant, and Lord, please don't let me have an STD, yes. and just all those kinds of things. It took a lot of that. And he um, was
0: with you the whole and he time. Was with me.
1: And what I thank God for is that I did accept Christ into my life as a as a young girl, and so That's good. church was an option always for me. And so, even though I wasn't living for God, God all the way back then was there. Even even the little girl in the swing, you know, and mm. the little girl in the tree, He was there the whole time. And what I love is that even though I didn't know how to find God all the time, Mm -hmm. he always knew how to find me.
0: Oh, he's always there. (laughs) And
1: and he was there the whole time. And so what I love is that, you know, God did keep bringing me back to him and back to him and back to him. And And before you knew anything, I found myself at a crossroads like, well, Lisa, you're going to have to make a choice.
0: So if Lisa made a choice Mm -hmm. and Lisa didn't know who she was, Mm -hmm. who is the Lisa today?
1: So, the Lisa today is, you know, if your listeners could see me, they would see this bright red, fiery hair. Yes. um, Real dark lipstick, almost black, you know, um, (laughs) things that I would have never done in my quest to be a good girl. Um, I am sassy sophistication, I am um, quiet rage, Um, I am um, love and laughter. Um, I, I am, um, healing hearts. Yes. I, I am a wounded healer. Um, I'm gifted and covered, um, by the grace of God. It's, is I am so many things, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mommy, um, a, you know, I'm a business owner. Um, a friend to many, counselor to many, whether I want to be or not. Folks like you gonna talk to me. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you gonna talk to me. You yes, know. Um, I'm a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, okay. Incorporated. Okay. Um, I am. I am so many things. That is really um, good. An author to be. Um, oh. And so I am working on a book um, that uh, it just I just need to sit down and write it. Um, but it's really just this, the, my journey to healing. It's not the name of it. That's part of it. That's name part of it. Of it. Um, but it's my it, it's the the secrets behind my journey to healing.
0: So tell us a little more about Healing Hearts Counseling and Consultation Services.
1: So Healing Hearts is um, it was birthed in me or implanted in me? I want to say in 2010. Um, I had been working for um, a community agency here in Akron uh, back then, and I just was really frustrated, not with the job and the agency itself, but just with the way that we present counseling, particularly Mm -hmm. to um, African Americans. Um, I had a lot of turnaround with clients. They would come for a little bit, and then they'd pull back out. Um, and they just didn't feel like they were being heard. They weren't feeling like they were, you know, being valued. And then, so that's on one hand. And I have another group of people, family and friends who I knew needed to go to counseling and they wouldn't for a million reasons. Counseling is for white folks don't you don't tell people your business da, 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 mm-hmm. da. you gotta just pray about it and, and leave it at the altar you ain't leaving it at the altar if you still struggling it's just all kind of stuff and god began to talk to me a little bit about presenting the healing journey differently mm-hmm. um but i was afraid back then no. uh, in 2010 i was like you clearly can't be talking to me lord <laughs> You clearly don't want me to do that. So I would do a little bit more, and then I would pull back. And then I'd do a little bit more and pull back. Um, And it took a while for me to um, finally say yes to God. Yes. Um, That's when you
0: started blossoming.
1: Yeah. um, In 2012, November 7, 2012, my husband and I um, suffered a miscarriage. And in that healing journey of uh, miscarrying a baby, and that's a whole another long day worth of, of a podcast. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I, I struggled with getting pregnant, and so me and God, you know, in my mind, had this deal worked out where if I finally got pregnant, like, they, they, the baby came from him and all of that stuff, I was not somebody who could go and just plan, you know, some mm-hmm. people go away on their honeymoon, come back pregnant, they got it all worked out, I couldn't work that out, you right. know, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, and so my body just decided it wasn't cooperating which meant we struggled you know to get pregnant just the whole reproductive issue it was just a mess um mm-hmm. and so you know baby number three was 2012 so I had already been blessed with my daughter and my oldest son so we were like ecstatic when we got pregnant mm-hmm. in 2012 I'm like oh god you're so amazing <laughs> you know but then we lost the baby oh. about 10 weeks and it just broke my heart And um, I remember just the healing journey of, you know, like asking God why, but saying, God, I trust you. And I remember one night he said, um, he he just began to speak to me about birthing something else in me. I had found a journal that I had been writing in. Mm -hmm. Um, So at that time, you know, after my childhood journal issue, although I still wrote in journals, I never finished them. So I became a journal starter. So okay. All over the place. Um, and so I would wait to cry and go through. I would hold my grief and my sadness all day um, and wait till everybody was in the bed. And then I would go in my bathroom and just kind you of do. cry quietly um, as to not bother anybody. Because, again, you learn how you don't matter anymore. So I waited till they were all taken care of to go take care of me. And just I remember, I was up in the middle of the night one night and going through a journal and just kind of flipping through and found a page that said, healing hearts is my baby, uh-huh. and it was written either on or near when we found out we were pregnant. Where I should have been talking about the baby, baby, was I was writing one. about healing hearts. Wow! And I was like, "Oh my gosh, God!" Like,
0: God, look what you just showed me. And
1: He said, and then literally, I do believe He began to speak to my spirit about His desire to birth something else out of me that Healing Hearts wasn't just a dream, it wasn't just a joke. He really did desire for me to present counseling in the way that I do it, um, because people had need of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just began to do the real work then. Um, I uh, got it, You know, did the paperwork and all of that stuff to register the name, yeah, all of that. It still took me two years to kind of really mature,
0: birthing, yes,
1: but I was, you know, really developing that baby on the inside and birthing. And in July of 2014, Helen Hearts came to be. Um, and so, what Healing Hearts is is a Christian-based counseling agency, um, and that's just because I come from a Christian perspective in terms mm-hmm. of that's just who I am. You know, yes. anybody who's talked in a conversation with me that was intermingled with Lisa and Bible, just yes, come out, I can't help it. <laughs> with <don't>, the very <laughs>
0: calm and soothing voice that mean, make you feel so yes, comfortable. Yes,
1: and so it's just it's just part of who I am. And so I thought, um, you know, let me let me. Do Christian counseling, which is what I know, even in college, that I wanted to do. My college professors would used to say, "You got to give up that Christian counseling thing. That's not gonna work." Um, and, and,
0: not gonna work for you, yeah, and not for was me. Like,
1: no, honey, it's gonna work. Um, and so, what I do is I just present a softer side of counseling. Okay. Um, I don't build insurance um, at all because insurance is a whole monster in and of itself, and they really do dictate what the counseling session is how long it's going to be, how many you're allowed to have, um, all of that stuff. You have to have a diagnosis and things like that. And what right. I was finding was is that people were pulling away based off of what we were calling them. Okay. And, you know, what we were diagnosing them as. And people were like, well, I don't want to be labeled and Label. things like that. And, I, and what I do know is that counseling really is just a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just me talking. Having to you.
0: someone to talk mm-hmm. to, and mm-hmm. you ain't ever about no one else mm-hmm. knowing nothing yes, about yes.
1: it. And so, as I began to develop healing hearts, I said, "Let's let's look at the barriers that are keeping people away, particularly my people. Mm-hmm. What's stopping people from coming to counseling?" Let's tackle that, and so I decided I was going to be private pay only, but keep my fee at a, way, at a, at a rate that that's, people, affordable. that's affordable, where people can pay their bills and still come see me, um, and that we would not do the whole diagnosis piece, although we do talk about it. I don't technically, because I don't feel insurance, I don't technically have to write a diagnosis down um, on a treatment plan or any mm-hmm. or, you know, diagnostic assessment. Uh, they get all of that because I'm trained and that's what I do. Right. Um, but I do it in a way that doesn't feel so doctor officey, you know, yes. um, situation where people just can come and be heard. Um, And feel loved on. Um, And and we are five years old. Well, we turned five this past July. And um, I have been doing this. I went from seeing like one person a month, maybe two a month, Mm -hmm. to I I am at capacity. What? um, And actually, you know, um, and working to add-on in terms of staff and things like that oh that's a blessing um, like groups now um, you know yes um, because i was able to come and do some work with Fedea. um and I, I do a lot of contracting with other agencies that is to a, come in that's and do wonderful things like that and so and god has really taken that voice that was silenced mm-hmm. all those years and ago, look at you now and said, you absolutely do have something to say And so I just talk and I love on people. And like you said, God has gifted me with the ability to say the hard stuff. Yes. In a way that people can hear it, swallow it, digest it, and apply it to their lives. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. God, God allows me to have the real tough conversations with people about all manner of things and allow them to know that their life doesn't start, stop at the end mm-hmm. of, you know, at the end of the tough road. Right. You know, God allows me to show people that my job is really to step into darkness and frustration and aggravation with people mm-hmm. and point them back to the light, which is hope. Yes. Right. So the name of the agency is Healing Hearts Counseling and Consultation Services. And our model is we offer hope to the hurting. Oh, right. We offer hope. Yes. Um, when I was going through as a high as as a fourteen year old all the way through high school, my hope was on the the fact that I had an opportunity to get out.
0: Yes, and yeah. even though you didn't understand crying out to God as a fourteen year old girl, mm-hmm. as a process going on, mm-hmm. God prepares you for. Okay. Be prepared. Who you are today, Absolutely. because you're able to not only relate to people but help them heal in mm-hmm. a process, mm-hmm. and you are also still healing, still healing. in the process exactly. when you hear other people's mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and their testimonies yeah. as well.
1: And I think healing um, across the board for all of us, not just me with my tough story, my mm-hmm. tough background. I think healing is continual. It'll always happen until the Lord comes to get us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a journey, which is why, you know, and, and when you come into my office and people talk to me, I talk to them about the journey. Um, that, that God is forever working on us. There's probably some other pieces that are tucked down in there that when I, when, when God knows I'm ready, He's going to lift them mm-hmm. up. He's going to stir those up so that I can process and deal with those too. What I love about God is that He doesn't dump the whole deal, healing jar on me at this at one time because you got to be ready for it. Yes, you got to participate in the, the healing counseling journey. You know, on session one with me, we go through my um, informed consent packet, and it talks a lot about what counseling is going to look like and feel like. And and counseling doesn't work if you don't participate. Mm-hmm. You got to be re- willing to say the hard stuff and see what that feels like on your tongue, right? right. You got to be willing to to let it come out, whatever it is. Um, count, when, when we hold stuff down in us, it's like, Having It's like having food poisoning. Mm -hmm. We've eaten something or we've digested something that is not good for us. It's full of toxins. It's full of poison. It's spoiled. And our bodies react to it. And our bodies react to it and it rejects it. And more times than not, when you have food poisoning, the only thing you want to do is what?
0: Vomit.
1: Vomit. Yes. And get it out. And that's what counseling is. It is a safe way... Um, a private way to get the to vomit the ugliness of life out, mm-hmm. and everybody knows when you have to throw up, when you have to vomit, oh. when you get it out, mm-hmm. you feel better almost automatically. Yes, you feel like you can sit up straight. You feel like you can eat something else that's better for you. Even if you have to eat in small doses, you can mm-hmm. eat something else. When you got to throw up, you can't take nothing else in. It. Right, and depending on your, I am not a good. This is gross. I am not a good throw upper. I've never been even even pregnant. Right. Um. I just, it just won't come up. It's a struggle. You know. Um. My daughter same way. Um. And when she was real little, she would know it was coming, and she'd try to hold it in in with her hand. And I would tell her, I know you don't want the yucky stuff to come out. But if you put your hand in the way, you're going to stop it, and it's only going to make you feel worse. But if we can get that yucky stuff out, mm-hmm. it's going to burn our throat a little bit. It's going to hurt a little bit. There's going to be some retching and all of that. But when we get all of it out, you're going to feel so much better. And that is my Nine job. Many times better. That is my job is to walk with people to pull their hair back, right? Um when they are getting the yucky stuff off to wipe their forehead, in a sense, and then fail
0: you again.
1: Yeah. So that they can know that, yes, this is horrible, but I'm here with you, I'm alongside of you, I'm rubbing your back, and I'm making, but you got to do the work. Oh, yeah. Because I can't throw up for you, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to do the work. And when you get done doing the work, we'll get the right food in you.
0: I know that's right. So in closing, in a few words, can you tell our listeners what they can do to help themselves heal within?
1: First of all, I think the biggest thing is to admit that healing needs to take place. Yes. We got to be willing to say when something is wrong. Yes. Again, my story, go back to my story. You know, I just, I basically, I remember a time, period in time, even in during that time where I was just told to be quiet. Lisa you don't have nothing to say just shush right mm. and when t- when people silence you enough you just quit talking all together and we don't want to say what's wrong we, we, we care about what people think we care about what they're going to say even talking today I thought Lord Jesus people who've never heard this story are going to hear it and they're going to have questions about it and so I had some angst to, even just now but you got to be able to tell your truth you have That's to the first step is that you have to admit you have to confess because we cannot conquer what we won't confess.
0: And live in denial. You no,
1: know, if, if you act like it's not there, it's not like it's going to go away. You're only going to suffer more and more until you actually get it out.
0: And hurt others. And you're
1: going to hurt others because hurt people really do hurt people. Yes. But heal people. I mean, if the verse is true, the inverse is true. And so hurt people do hurt people, but heal people really do heal people. Yes. Yes. And that's why I call myself a wounded healer. That stuff did happen to me. So I was wounded back then, mm-hmm. right? I've got scars to prove it. Mm-hmm. But I'm healed. That is good. I'm eh? being healed. And every time I'm able to walk in my office and yield myself to God and say, yeah, God, through my brokenness
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the journey you've brought me through, can you help me speak life to somebody else? Can you help me point out to them all the ways life is worth living? Mm -hmm. I know the world is trying to show them something different. I know life, family, jobs, whatever. I know it's trying to present a different story. But can you help me to show them via my testimony and your goodness and your worthiness that that we can do this? Yes,
0: because you're a life her. Yes, I am an
1: (laughs) advocate of counseling, not just because I am a counselor, but because I've been there and I've done it and there's something about being able to go through that counseling journey and just heal to, to tell your story and to begin to realize that if you turn the page there's a blank page there that you can write on mm-hmm. like nobody else has to depict the rest of your life but you that you can begin to write something different
0: so how can our listeners get in touch with you
1: so I always direct people. The best way to get in touch with me would be to visit my website, which is www.hopetohealing.org. And so that is www.hope, the word hope, H-O-P-E, the number two, and the word healing, H-E-A. L I N G dot org. <laughs> I forgot how to spell real quick. It's
0: okay. You
1: w know, dot <laughs> hope to healing dot org. And if you can get on the website, there's some video there that you can look at of, you know, different. Um, uh, interviews that I've done um, there's some uh, client testimonies on there and then there's also a contact us page where you can The contact us you can send me an email our social media handles are there and so that's the fastest and best way to get to us.
0: And you have an email what's your email address?
1: So my email is very similar it's info at hope2healing.org so it's all the same um, if you can get Hope to Healing done you can email me and or get on the website the number 2? 330 uh, well, yes the number, the number 2 okay. Hope to Healing and then our phone number is 330-356-4299
0: Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening into Life Her Podcast. We're here to heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Life Her Podcast. Facebook is Life Her Podcast also. And you can also go on to our website, www.lifeherdpodcast.com and listen to our other podcast episodes. And you can also have a chance to Purchase merchandise. I am Yvette Lloyd. And I am here. And I am life her. And love yourself ladies. And thank you so much Lisa. For for coming in. Thank you so much. Bye ladies. (laughs)